0: 10 whole episodes. Thank you so much to all of the subscribers uh, for the Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube channels and followers on the Instagram and Facebook, KC Media's pages. Uh, Just thank you so much for being a part of the show as far as just being listeners and being interactive and just thank you. You know, it's. I started the show for a few reasons. You know, I wanted to get the journalism degree and put it to good use. Finally, finally use it after four years removed from college. You know, I went into University of Oregon for my junior senior year, and I didn't have that much experience to put on my portfolio reel uh, as my colleagues. So, I knew I was uh, putting myself in a little bit a disadvantage for not putting myself more out there. And you know, luckily technology is. Really saving me right now with webcams, microphones, all the softwares they have available, uh, because I've, I this has been such an instrumental tool for myself to grow as a a better listener, a better person to have a conversation with, better person to connect with. You know, I, this line of work is always about connecting, and this line of work is always about just. How you can be in a conversation with someone uh, in my in my opinion, obviously it could be it's gonna be different for someone else, but you know i I wanted to get the journalism degree working and I wanted to talk to those people I know that are doing amazing things with their lives, whether through work or through hobbies, and just get their story out just see how they got to where they are today and see how they got through those obstacles and see how they were able to grow from those obstacles after they overcome it and you know I, I wanted to also have this podcast work be a sort of sort of therapy tool for myself because you know I, I thought for my whole life that I was pretty good at being open and I was pretty good at communicating and I was pretty good about listening but you know moments in life they do cause you to reevaluate where you are and reevaluate whether you want to keep progressing to be not a perfect but just a better version of yourself or if you just want to stay stagnant and or regress and i don't know who wants to stay stagnant or regress but that was me for a little bit but now i want to keep progressing i want to keep pushing to be a better host of the show for those that are listening and those that are watching and you know be a better interview host for those that want to come on the show and so I want to say a giant thank you without rambling too much. You know, I this show would not be a thing and I without all of your guys' support and all of those feedback I get from family, friends and you know, just just very very much very grateful to all that. Uh, so a little bit of news, July 11th, that is next Saturday, I believe. No episode. Gonna take that time off, maybe just celebrate a little bit and try to recharge the batteries, and uh, July 18th is when I'll be back with another episode. I don't usually give um, teasers or little snippets or any kind of clue to who my next guest is, but I've I've worked on this podcast for 10 weeks. I'm always open to change. I'm always open to growth, like I just mentioned. So I thought I'm going to try something different. So next week, next uh, July 18th. Sorry, excuse me, <laughs> July 18th. I got a special, very special guest. Uh, her name is Chloe Shaughnessy, and I, I think we have the best story of how we met, and I it brings a giant smile to my face whenever time I tell it to people. And you know, Chloe and I, we were, I considered her best friend. I don't know what she considers me. I hope the same. But you know, throughout college, I. Saw her as one of my best friends. I was able to talk to her about anything. And uh, we haven't talked as much lately, which is, I mean, it's natural because we're both working and we're both living our lives. And she's in California and I'm up in Oregon. So it'll be good to catch up with her. And I'm very excited to record that conversation and have people hopefully listen in and see how her story can relate to yours. So, you know, she's going to be on the 18th. I'm very excited for that. And... You know, it's uh it's going to be great. But for today, for this episode, very special 10th episode, I have my good friend Seth Murphy lined up for everyone. You know, I met Seth while at Nike Portland. He was, he his time there was short. Um, I was there, I was at Nike Portland for about, I want to say two years. Uh, he was only there for a handful of months just because he knew that it just wasn't the line of work for him, which is totally fine and... You know, when he came into the company, I just remember him being such such a wide-eyed, absorbent, and very driven person. You know, he he was always talking to every athlete that he could. An athlete is what uh, the Nike people called employees, because in Nike, it's um, their philosophy is that every if you have a body, you are an athlete. And so, and they also wanted to give you that sports realm feel anytime you're in there. So, you know, he talked to every athlete there and just found ways to keep progressing himself as an employee or as, again, as an athlete with Nike. So, you know, he, when he left, you know, it was, it was a little sad. I mean, it's always sad when someone you've spent some time with decides that they want to go on to another path, which again, it's still okay. Because with technology now, we can always text each other or social media message each other. Uh, so I kept up with his what he's been up to. I knew he went to uh, go work for his dad at a landscaping company, and now he's working with John L. Scott as a realtor. Very young realtor. He's 21 years old, and you know he's he's very he's very his excited nature was what was very was very uh, appealing to me. You know, I, I've kind of started to describe myself as an excited person. So, you know, he's uh, I think he's going to do really great in this career. And you know, if you need any assistance with real estate or have any questions about real estate, I'll put his info in the description below. But without further ado, whether you are listening to this episode through Spotify or iTunes or watching it on YouTube, I hope you enjoy my chat with Seth Murphy. Hey man, so uh, thank you for taking time out of your day. You know, it's a it's it's a work week, so you know it's a. I don't usually schedule interviews during the work week because I want to focus on work. But you know, you're a special case. Of I gotta. wanted to make sure that I get time out of my busy schedule to talk with my good friend Seth Murphy, the uh, man of the hour, and maybe hour and some change.
1: Sure. How's uh
0: How's everything going, man?
1: It's going absolutely swell. I'm as good as anyone could be in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I so, was lucky enough to be deemed an essential worker, so I haven't, you know, been out of work yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's uh it does give you that fluffy warm feeling to be deemed essential, but also you're like, I kinda wanna work from home on some days.
1: Yeah, hey, you see a bunch of people pull in unemployment checks and you're like, that's just <laughs> I know what you do during the day and that's not essential. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, my dad, he got unemployment and he was like, Oh, it's going to be fine because you know, I want to be at home anyway. I got stuff I could work on. And then it took him like at least maybe three, four months until he actually got unemployment. And I was like, why are you okay with this?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's not okay. There's no normal. And obviously there hasn't been a global pandemic for, you know, hot minute. So everyone's had to get used to it on the fly.
0: Yeah. How's your family doing?
1: Family's doing good. We're all still, I mean, we're all still working. Um, my sister lives in Long Beach, California, and her, uh, she got COVID uh, about a month ago or a month and a half or so and said it was terrible. And so.
0: How's she going now? In
1: California. She's doing great now. Yeah. She's a, she's a nurse. She's a, uh, I'm going to mess it up. A pediatric heart nurse. She's one of, yeah, she's a pediatric nurse in California. She's That's great. awesome. Yeah, my sister's
0: amazing. Yeah, when it comes to people in the medical field, I feel like their titles are more confusing. The more you try to like actually say it the full specific thing, like if you just "Oh, pediatric, cardiac," you know, she's just in the medical field. We're all good here. Yeah,
1: I used to spit it out every time, and then she actually just came up here about a week ago, two weeks ago or something, mm-hmm. and I said it out loud, and she's like, "That's not what I do." And I was like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> so now I got I to be kind of careful.
0: <laughs> I know it's like that, and names that are a little more elegant. That you know, even especially with this whole podcasting, I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I say this correctly. I'll like drill in myself to make sure that when it gets to time to talk to someone, I'm like, oh, did I butcher it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsies.
1: Yeah, it's hard to mess up set though. Don't worry about it.
0: How's your uh, family handling, you know, you in the realtor business and then your sister being in the medical business? Are they uh, as paranoid and worried as mine are?
1: No, um, no. Like my sister, my sister has always done everything. Well, I'm, I'm the youngest of five. So my sister has always, she's two years older than me and she's always done everything at like an escalated scale. Right. She skipped, uh, she skipped eighth grade. I think it was. And then she got a good amount of college credits done in high school. And then she like got to college and busted out college and I want to say three, four years. And then she's on to her. And that's like, you know, medical, like a nurse, nursing school, which is fast. And I was like, holy, uh, here I am dropping out of school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no,
1: my parents were all gung-ho. She's so smart. And so, I mean, that, and she's a hard worker, so you can't, I think a lot of people when i say she's so smart they're like oh so it must have came easy to her but my sister would get home from school and work like do homework for like four or five hours and i'm like "Dude, gosh i would
0: go insane yeah that's how my brother and i were you know he he's about two years older and then he was always the book smart he always like could figure out math super easily and i just struggled and i i I could be diligent and work hard but then when it comes like Actually, breaking down every single thing. I was like, it's not there. Yeah. It's just not there.
1: Yeah, that's cool. All my siblings are pretty smart. Um, so I'm the youngest of four. We have one adopted sister. Mm-hmm. So she's my oldest sister is 30, and she's married. And then my oldest brother's 27, about to be 28.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then my adopted sister's 27. And then my sister, that's two years older than me, 23, and I'm 21, and the baby. So we all. We all have different branches of life. None of us do something similar.
0: Now, what kind of pressure was that for you? You know, you talked about your sister being the book smarts and then now three being the youngest and trying to do your line of business and just trying to, you know, make yourself different from everyone else. You did say that everyone kind of went on their own path, but what was that like for you growing up knowing that you were, I'll say, bummed the totem pole, but, you know, just. The youngest one in the bunch?
1: Oh, see, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think being the youngest of a big family is the best setup ever, right? Uh, your parents go through learning experiences through every kid. And, like, you're just going to have it the best no matter what. You're the youngest of a big family. Um, and, on, I mean, my, my family is so full of, like, just communal love. Like, everybody just loves on each other. We all love hanging out with each other. I'd explain mm-hmm. it as, like, a warmth kind of mm-hmm. just what what I – Think of it as, and uh, I don't think I ever felt like any pressure, like for just being the youngest and having to perform. Of course, like you're always trying to like do stuff in a big family to get your parents' attention, and so I would always, you know, put a lot of effort into sports. And then when it came to like playing in a game, I'm always like, man, I'm I'm doing good. Like, can't can't wait to talk to my parents about this, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, I don't really think it hit me until my oldest sister graduated from college. Well, my brother graduated from college. Our adopted sister graduated. And then uh, three years ago, my sister, that's a nurse now, Kenna, we went to her graduation. And at this point in time, I'm like already phasing myself out of school and I'm working for my dad. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back to school. And man, I just saw like the atmosphere of everybody, like so proud of her at like graduation. I'm like, man, I should graduate. Like, I want that. And then I ended up going back to school. And then just being like, I hate it here.
0: <laughs> and then,
1: uh, I mean, it didn't take me too long. It took me probably three months after that. I finished out the term and uh, I just kind of, you know, started working on what I'm doing now right after that. I had, I was taking 18 credits, I think. I was taking like uh, a biology class. I think it was biology 212. If I, I'm going to, yeah, I probably got that wrong. But I didn't take intro to bio and I got like really... I wouldn't say cocky, but I was like, gun ho. I was like, just put me in the next class. i want to get it all done. I ended up taking this biology class that was way too hard for me. Um, I took like an astrology class, uh, macroeconomics, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed like economics. And I took an accounting class, which I kind of enjoyed, but also kind of hated. And then, um, man, it was like halfway through my biology, not even halfway. I got my biology final. I put it down on my desk it was 11 pages. I flipped through every single page. I couldn't answer a question and I just stood up and left and I was like, I'm not coming back to school next term. <laughs> and that's how, that's how that happened.
0: Was there a class that you took that you're like, okay, I, I could see myself, you know, pursuing something in this you know, pathway. Or was it just like every single one you took were just like, I, it's just not for me.
1: Uh, Kind of. I mean, like I, I would just grab like, any class that I thought I'd like to just experience, so like I took a, a couple psychology classes. I loved that. Um, when I went to Portland State, I took a couple business classes, and i was like, these are so fun. Excuse me. And um, and like I'm working with like like-minded kids, and a lot of them. I mean, once you get out of business one hundred and one, you're usually working around like a lot of entrepreneurial-minded people, whether they do their own thing or not. Um, But man, no, once I, once I started like getting into like those core classes where I'm taking like geology and biology, I'm like, I don't, never going to use this ever. (laughs) I was like, this is wasting my time. And then it, I mean, it just came down to the fact that like something clicked in my head and I was like, I'm never going to lose a job to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. Like the guy that I lose a job to is either just going to be flat out better than me, but like. I'm never going to lose a job to my degree or like lack thereof. And so that's when I was kind of like, all right, I'm out
0: of here. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that all three of your other siblings, so are you, you are the fourth sibling, correct? I'm the fourth. You're yeah. the fourth. You said, so you mentioned earlier that all three of your siblings went through the graduation process and then you felt motivated. What? How did you, was there a speech you prepared that to tell your parents like, hey, I'm not going back to college? Cause you know, it is, it's great to see their expressions as, you know, their kids are walking across the stage, especially yeah. at that grand of a uh, event. What, how did you like build yourself up? how did you psych yourself up to talk to them about this? Cause obviously, you know, you probably, this is probably something you felt right off the get go, but you yeah. might have to, you know, um, up a little bit.
1: It was actually pretty funny. So I was going to Portland state and uh, it was right. Um, right. When I was quitting Nike and um, I'm just at dinner, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I was gonna start working for my dad's company at, like, Crystal Green's Landscape, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, why don't you just take a couple credits, and then slowly phase yourself out of school, like, it was my dad that, like, pitched it to me, (laughs) Um, and because my dad didn't go to, my dad went to, like, a term of college, and then dropped out, and Mm -hmm. I mean, he's doing fine, and he, I think he sees, like, kind of the same energy in me, so I think he was just, like, dude, you're kind of, wasting time um but then like I said I started going back to school after that because I quit going to Crystal I, I quit working at Crystal Greens and I was like man I need to figure something out in the best way to buy time is school for me um and then it you know I had to have that whole conversation over again with my parents and I was like hey you guys remember when I stopped going to school that one time you know I'm gonna do that again um, <laughs> And it all came down to, uh, we bought a house that we were going to flip and I was just like, I'm going to work on this. And while I work on this, like once I get home during the day, I'm going to spend, you know, four to five hours getting my real estate license, you know, studying on that. And so that's kind of how it, it wasn't like one big grandiose moment of like, Hey, I'm dropping out of school now. It was kind of like, like I have a plan. I'm not going back to school. I didn't really ask. Or anything i just kind of told him my dad's like are you going back to school in the fall i was was like no (laughs) he's like oh okay
0: (laughs) so no regrets you never thought back to like what if i went back and what if i just did some other courses or just talked to a different instructor or talked to a different counselor
1: no um i think it really helped that i went to school i think if i just went on this path like right out of high school i think i'd have a lot of like what if syndrome but i mean like i went to college right like i had year and a half of at college and I've never once been like, man, I wish I kind of would have gone back. Right. I have such a destructive personality trait that I would have just gotten (laughs) into trouble. And I mean, like, I think, I think college is great for so many people, right? Like finding a path. And I I think I was just, once I, you know, once I quit Nike and started like working for my dad, I was like, this is what I want out of life. And then I had to build a, you know, my own path on how I got to a place that put me in a position to feel that. And I'm still, I mean, I'm 21 years old, right? So yeah. I don't even
0: know where I want to be in. My- <laughs> I feel good now though. Yeah. I mean, you found a good direction. I mean, you're starting to make that curve into the whole real estate realtor line of business. And yeah. Yeah. you know, you you mentioned destructive personality. How was that having that personality? Could you remember how you were as a younger kid? Was this something you had since, you know, since you were young and progressed onwards or is it something that just kind of happened like teens and such because you did well, grow I mean, up in a very small small town for I sure can, i could just imagine you just running around burning stuff and then sprinting off to the distance
1: nah it's not it's not destructive like that like you knew me when, when we worked at nike right like i just i walk around with such a blind confidence like just and i mean that's great in a lot of regards it's got me pretty far in life but i mean there's been many many times where I've you know said something wrong that goes right over my head and I've like really hurt someone with how I said it and I I don't know anything about that so that's more the destructive person like if I wasn't if I stayed in school who knows where I would have ended up right like I would have tied myself to something weird I don't know.
0: (laughs) So using that situation what what kind of things go through your head when you do realize you said something accidental you didn't mean it but it hurts someone more than you expected. How do you? How did you fix that kind of relationship with that person?
1: Oh, you, I mean, dude, it happens to me nonstop. Like, okay, that's. It happens to me more often than it happens to a regular person. And usually, I go back and I explain to them. I'm like, hey, stop. like I'm just a very thick-skulled human when I come to <laughs> talking. And I'm still. I still have to learn about you know how I affect people emotionally. Anyways, right? I'm 21 years old, but it's. I mean, it happens. And so I, I usually go back and I'm like, hey, I, I didn't perceive it the way I said it. I'm so sorry that you took it that way. Next time I'll be a lot more clear. And it's all about like learning people's personality types on the fly since I'm so like going into the fire anyways. So, I mean, like as I'm getting older, I have to, you know, feel out someone's personality type before I get completely settled and comfortable and say certain things. And it's such a balancing act. Everything that I'm doing in my life is such a balancing act right now and you know, it's, it's
0: just kind of funny. Yeah, No, I I can relate to that because, you know, I, I would say things too. So like me, you and I kind of have that same mindset where like either we're just not thinking or maybe we're just on coast mode or just, we're just having so much fun in the moment that we just let something blurt out. And then, you know, the person that you're sent, you're talking to, they like digest it and they're like, oh, I actually didn't like what you said. And you're like, oh crap. So (laughs) whoops, let me start my five part apology to why I didn't really mean that as it is. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 28. I'm still trying to figure that out too. How to like officially turn on the brain to actually like digest things that people are saying. And it's, you know, we, we got rough journeys ahead. So, but, but it's gotta- so,
1: I mean, it's so funny. My oldest sister and my oldest brother um, like I've always perceived them as like such a, a graceful, you know, conversation to have right like each one of them like you'll start talking and you just know they're listening to you and like I've never been hurt by something they've just brushed over and said and it's just one of those things that me and my sister are both very like jump into the flame start talking and so there's some sort of disconnect with my older siblings (laughs) and me and my me and my sister right now because I mean I can I could sit down and talk to my brother Tanner and he just I mean he'll think about everything I'm saying and you know, calculate his response and spit it back to me in in a relational way for him as an older brother way for him. And I'm just always like me and you attacked that situation very differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So how how do you try to get how would you like to get all your relationships with your siblings to be at that same level as your, I guess what, two year younger, two year older sister? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah, how, what, what would be your strategy to try and repair that relationship? Because my brother and I, we live together. And our relationship coming into this apartment was a little rocky. We ha- I had an ex-girlfriend that was not really his favorite. So yeah. you know, trying to repair that, I still think I'm repairing that to this day. And sometimes I don't even know how to do that. Sure. What, what would you think is the best step for you to try and get all your relationships to that top level?
1: Man, I mean, I th- honestly think the most beautiful part about my family is all of our relationships are at that top level. Like, I've never had one. And that could just be my disconnect of being, like, the youngest of everybody, right? Like, by the time I was conscious, like, fully conscious and was like, I'm a, I'm an actual person. My oldest sister was already in college and moved away. And um, and then me and my brother, I mean, we would hang out every now and then, but I'd give him his space and, you know, he went to college. And so that's something cool is um, only every time like the only time I would like burn a relationship is, you know, with my sister that's closest to me because we're so bullheaded that we just smack into each other every now and then. And, and we just kind of, you know, say our apologies and then move on. And yeah, I don't think I've ever had a a situation where I've been walking on eggshells with any of my siblings, to be honest.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Just That connection just runs deeper than any other conflicts that can arise. Yeah, for sure. And I
1: mean, we've been, we're all, I mean, obviously the youngest of all of us is 21. So we've been, each of us have been through our fair share of life. And I think it becomes really hard when you get in a big family and you're like very sheltered and you don't get to experience like individual lives. You're just experiencing it all as your family. That's when I think you have, you know, inner, inner family conflict is when you're going through every stage of life together. Mm. Me and my siblings have all had hundreds of thousands of our own experiences and then we kind of just come together and just kind of share it and super cool
0: yeah yeah yeah. so then did they all of them go through damascus christian high school as well or was it just you
1: uh damascus is k through 12 okay um so everybody went through yeah everybody went through k through 12 except my sister uh kind of that's a little bit older than me she skipped eighth grade there and then transferred to uh, LaSalle mm-hmm. uh, Prep College. It's in Milwaukee.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. she just, she just wasn't having it at Damascus. So she left.
0: <laughs> no, what was her reasoning for not having it at Damascus? Because religion schools, I, I mean, as someone that never went to one, I could see how that could be a, a whole lot.
1: Yeah. Well, she was, like I said, she's just a strong headed personality. And so her and a couple teachers would clash and you know, if you're an insecure teacher and you have someone with a strong head of personality, you're going to try and put a little more, you know, authority in your day. And every now and then, you'll overreach. I mean, I almost left Damascus countless times because of that. And I'm just like, you guys aren't even here to teach us. You're just here to, you know, milk some authority complex you have in life. And yeah, you know. <laughs> so I I think that was a huge reason. And then LaSalle, you know, is a prep college, so it gets to pushing you a little harder. And I think that's what my sister needed too. So.
0: Yeah. So again, going back to the whole religion school, what was, are are you a a religious person or like, how was it jumping into that kind of environment where it is preached fairly strongly and how did you like kind of differentiate the, you know, the Bible aspect of the teaching or just straight up, you know, regular school teaching like math? language oh you
1: know? no i mean damascus does a really good job you take one bible class every year and then the rest of your classes are like you're in math class you're doing math they're never like 10 of noah's arcs 11 of the commandments which there are only 10 commandments just, <laughs> if anybody's gonna fact check me uh but it was never like that it was just gonna you know and english wasn't ever like read this section of the bible and, and you know it was all always like folk tales and like write an essay on whatever you want stuff like that it never you know education and religion were definitely two separate things there and every teacher just kind of wanted to affect you as good as they can um but no it was i mean i know exactly what you're referring to and like you get religion in every single class and it kind of makes it hard for you to learn but i never experienced that
0: yeah so w- when you see that on tv so let's say the simpsons is doing something like that yeah. now does that discourage you or you just kind of laugh at it
1: Uh, Not at all, man. I mean, I'm pretty good at, I mean, a lot of things that you see, like the Simpsons family guy, you're like, gosh, that is crossing a pretty good line of blasphemy. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's never going to like, I can understand comedy and I can understand like a lot of people get burned through a, you know, a religious system, whether it's Christian, Christianity or, you know, anything. Um, and you just kind of gotta, you know, you gotta be like, that's unfortunate that they saw that side of what it is and, uh, I'm never going to be like, I'm not watching this anymore or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, you can understand it if you have any level of empathy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that trying to create empathy, what, what would you say actually, not to put words into your mouth, but what would you say is something you learned out of that experience that you still have with you to this day and maybe you carry with you into your realtor career?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably empathy, right? Especially being a real estate agent to drag it away from that is, you know, everybody you're working with everybody on the biggest purchase of most likely their biggest purchase of their life. And you deal with some stressed out people in like my first couple months in real estate. I'm like, chill out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm like, I'm "I'm doing everything, but dude, it's, I mean, like people are spending 200 K plus on a house. And they're like, I'm getting calls every 10 minutes. And I'm just like, like, no, don't worry. I'm handling that, you know? Um, so I think empathy is the biggest thing that I'm continually learning to this day. And it goes back to me being such a, you know, I'll say something and it'll hurt someone's feelings. And I'm just like, I used to be like, how did that hurt your feelings? Yeah. And yeah. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to know why that hurt your feelings so I don't do that again.
0: <laughs> oh, that's growing up, buddy. We're, yeah. we're doing it. Oh, for sure. There you uh, go.
1: So yeah, that's probably, Yeah. Empathy is what I took away from it because everybody, at the end of the day, I had a lot of people around me in school that would, you know, come to school just wrecked, like tired or freaking in a bad mood. And I'm just always like, come to school, like what, dude, come happy. (laughs) And then I was like, I don't know what they're doing at home or what's going on. And so you learn it as you go, but a lot of people don't even consider it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there are those situations where like let's say you're at a restaurant and then one woman's yelling at the waitress and you know from the outside looking outside you know perspective like wow that that woman's going really extreme over her food yeah but then you gotta have like empathy like oh maybe maybe she's just having a really bad day and maybe this was just kind of last straw no she's not usually like this
1: i don't know that's where i draw the line after we worked at nike i'm like (laughs) dude i am literally here to give you shoes you cannot yell at me like Yeah. Whenever I see anybody in the service industry getting treated poorly for not deserving it, I'll preface that for not deserving it. That's what I do. I will, I will never even consider empathy. I'm like, dude, if you have something wrong with you, detach yourself from the situation of yelling at a 16 year old boy trying to bring you breadsticks.
0: (laughs) Now, what was it like for you working for Nike? Because I know for me, I, was, I, was, I grew up with the swoosh you know, on my football jersey. I grew up with the swoosh everywhere. I thought of it as like, cool, I get to work for the hometown company. And I loved it, but then the backside of it all was just like not the greatest, just because of the restraints and whatnot. What did it mean for you to you know, represent the swoosh?
1: Oh, man, it was awesome, right? Um, I don't know if I ever told you a story of how I ended up there, but when I, when I was 14 years old, I think, 14 or 15, I went to a Blazer game with my dad and, like, me and my dad's friend switched spots. So, I sat in, like, a spot that I never sat and I was sitting right next to Adam Chang. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't know him and he was wearing uh, Jordan 3's, I want to say. black Blackson 3's, I think. And I was Mm -hmm. like, those are sweet shoes. And he's like, thanks, man. I was like, I love Nike. And he's like, oh, really? I work for Nike. And I was like, you were like, he instantly became like a God in my eyes. I was like, you work for Nike. I'm 14. And I was like, yeah, I was like, man, that's awesome. He's like, yeah. And then we, we just talked the whole night Um, I felt really bad. I was, wasn't talking to my friend that I was with at all. I was talking to Adam this whole time. I was probably <laughs> bugging him so bad too. Um, And, and then we changed the contact information and dude, I texted Adam every single summer. Once I turned 16, I was like, Hey man, can I get a job? He's like, are you 18 yet? I was like, no. He's like, no. (laughs) Next summer. Hey man, can I get a job at Nike? He's like, are you 18 yet? I was like, no. He's like, no. (laughs) I turned 18. I'm about to graduate. I was like, Hey man, can I get a job at Nike? He's like, we're starting a hiring process next month. Just drop me your application. I'll put it on uh, my manager's desk, which was CJ at the time. I think he put it at CJ's desk. And I was like, okay. And then he calls me back. He's like, okay, we're doing a, a 70 person interview process. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people. And he's like, yeah, they're choosing five. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll show up. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I walk in there, man. And there's freaking, there was a, a football player for Florida state was there. He was seven feet tall. And just, I was like, that guy looks like he should work at Nike. And then, um, Uh, I I walked in with Tommy Shibana shoe Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know him at all. And he was being super shady. And I was like, dude, why are you being so weird? I later find out that he already worked at Nike and I was like, Oh, that's unfair. Right. (laughs) Man, I get into that. They break you off in groups of five. I mean, you know how they do it. And they start asking you a bunch of questions and I'm the only one in my group wearing a full suit. Everyone's wearing a flannel, a t-shirt, like Nikes. I'm wearing a full suit and dress shoes. And I'm like, I'm like, I, there's, no way in hell I'm getting this job. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm sitting there and I was getting interviewed by CJ. who's a big, for anybody that doesn't know CJ, he's a big Australian dude and very intimidating if you don't know him.
0: Once you get to know him, he's the kindest man. He's yeah. the gentlest man.
1: <laughs> Best guy ever. But dude, I was sitting there freaked out. And uh, I got a call like 10 days later, they waited a long time to call me. And it was Mike on the phone, and he goes, hey, what's your sizes? And I was like, my sizes for what? And I, he didn't preface at all who he was. And he's like, oh, this is Mike from Nike Portland, and uh, did did CJ call you? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, well, you start on Monday.
0: <laughs> and I was
1: still in high school at the time, and I answered that phone because, like, when Nike calls you, it says Nike Incorporated on your phone. And I ran to – like, my, my school is very strict on phones, and I ran to my bathroom, I'm like, in a stall, and like, oh, hello, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, it was so cool, and I get to work, and I mean, you trained me, you were there my first day, and I'm just freaking a puppy, yeah. and I'm just like, this is awesome, and you feel so good being at Nike, and you're around a bunch of cool people, and you know, everybody that worked there was so unique, and I got to meet the coolest people ever, and um, it was awesome, and it was a great feeling, and I mean, I'm sure it happened to you, too, after few months you lose that honeymoon stage of working for nike and you're like this is a this is a crappy retail job (laughs) you know
0: yeah it was uh i believe once i worked the first black friday that's when i was like whoa this is horrible but you know i'm representing the so i'm gonna put my full effort into this and
1: yeah and i mean like i owe a lot of who i am today um just to working at nike right like just the people i got to work with and you know, work ethic that I see people like Jacob Abrego put in and like Noah put in and you're just like these people are you know so driven by this clothing company this yeah. something that's way more than a clothing company but you're like this is so cool and then I realized I was like I don't have that passion for Nike like they do mm-hmm. I'm not meant for this and so I, I mean i Put in my two weeks, and I said bye to everybody, and I was like, right. but it was cool, man. I got to meet like MKC, you got to meet Matt Kelstrom, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, treats everybody equally. Jason Damien, to this day, is the most loving human to any stranger ever. Jason Damien is the perfect example of what just like brotherly love feels like
0: Yeah. for oh, meeting yeah.
1: someone that you don't know at all.
0: Yeah. I would totally agree with that.
1: When I first started working there I like would see, I didn't know him at all. It was like his first shift that it was my first shift too. I'm just watching him work with a customer. And I was like, dude, I want to be like that dude. When I work with customers, he just made someone feel so comfortable. I was like, that's the guy. Yeah. So every time Jason was on the same floor as me, I'd just pick his brain yeah like what are you doing your free time and he's a singer and he's a great singer and he's a great musician and he's just a great guy you get to meet so many cool people
0: yeah and people have like so many great hobbies outside of just nike you know you mentioned jason and i actually i'm trying to get him on as a guest on the show also and you know jacob he you know he the things people were doing to continue their nike career and how much work they put in was so admirable but yeah again i was just like it's not for me. I was right there with you. I was like, if, if this was a different pathway, like if I had the same drive as let's say Adam Chang, yeah, I would, I would grind it out day in and day out and not think yeah. otherwise. But I was like, I I needed more. And I, I did, I, I completely agree with you also that like you met amazing people and it did improve your, my, for me, it improved my work ethic. Oh yeah. Seeing so many other people like, you know, Janelle and all them just seeing how they operated. Yeah. It's like, whoo, man.
1: Yeah. It was a gr- I mean, I'll never regret working at Nike, which is, I mean, people are always like, why would you even say that? Nobody would ever regret working at Nike. And you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> but yeah. it was just, I mean, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, if it, you take Nike out of the equation, the job sets you up to meet just wonderful people and just be a part of something cool, like work in Dornbecker events and, just any charity event we did and I was like, this is cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh equality when that first got rolled out, that was I was just like, that got me hooked. And then yeah. that'd be true and yeah, Dornbecker as well. Did you ever help any celebrities? And then were you how did you contain that star struckness?
1: Um I was actually just talking about this the other day. Um Devin Booker, when Devin Booker and Marquise Chris came in, um I was upstairs. In what is now men's running, but it was Nike basketball at the time. And they walked up the stairs, and I'm like, stocking, like fixing shoes. And he goes, Hey, man. He hands me like a Kobe. He's like, I I need this one. And I was like, Oh, man, I'll grab that for you second. And I didn't look at him whatsoever. I had no clue who it was. And I go in the back, and Mike takes the shoe from me. He goes, I'll take care of this. Uh And I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't think. And I walk outside, and it's (laughs) Devin Booker sitting on the bench, and I go, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, it's probably good that I didn't look up and see him because I would have freaked out. And I walked over there. I like collected myself. I was like, hey, man, I just want to say like, you are my age and I am a huge fan of you. And he was really, I mean, Devin Booker's down to earth and he dapped me up and we talked for a second. And then Mike came out and fitted him up and Mike kind of like gave me a look. He's like, all right, you're done for now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm out of here. I got, I got to meet. I think he's a, I think he was the coolest guy. Um, when Kobe came in, that was huge. Uh, he went downstairs, and I went downstairs for my break. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just went down to be around Kobe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he goes, "You got a name?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I was like, nope, not right <laughs> now." And he, I mean, he shook my hand. And then I walked away and I was like, I should have just. I mean, they were in like a half circle talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, I did not belong there. And I was like, just shaking Kobe's hand was cool. I'm going to walk away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How'd you uh, feel about his passing?
1: Dude, it tore me up. Uh, like, even, it's just tough, especially when you grow up in basketball and you're a competitor and you love, you know, like, when you have a killer mentality about anything, when it comes to work, when it comes to sports, when it comes to anything, Kobe was an icon for just hard work and passion. And you, dude, it is just, I mean, it sucked, right? Mm -hmm. And like seeing how it affected so many young players in the league and you're just like, that sucks, right? Like such a big impact and how he was affecting women's basketball and yeah, it was tough. I was working too when it happened and like in the middle of working. It, like, I got the, you know, text, and I was like, I should go home. <laughs> and it's crazy how someone that, like, is like that take away me even, you know, shaking his hand once in my lifetime. Like, I would have been equally torn up. And it's, I mean, we never met him. And that's just how big his impact on anybody was. It was crazy. I texted all my basketball team, and everybody was like, this sucks. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible.
0: And then, uh, did you watched the last dance i didn't i
1: I still haven't watched it i've I've been meaning to watch it with my friend but my friend lives in corvallis so Mm. i'm just waiting for a good time
0: yeah so i i did not know much about basketball i knew jordan was a big thing obviously from our time at nike together jordan has his own brand and uh, i never watched any of his games i never understood what the big craze was i just knew he was he was an icon yeah. So when I watched a documentary and just see his mentality of like competitiveness and just his drive, and I could see now why he was so successful and I could see now why he was so inspirational and I can see how, you know, some of the traits that he possessed was probably in Kobe's play and also inspired so many generations. And that's just insane that, you know, this guy from North Carolina can come in to an organization drive and push every single person whether they liked it or not to be better it is inspiring i get it but at first when i was like growing up i was like i, I guess it's a it's a basketball player i don't know yeah. much about him so now when it comes to sports competitiveness drive now uh, are you still playing is uh some of those traits still Lingering into your work ethic, or is this just a whole different animal when it comes to like realtor or just any kind of work you've done since?
1: Oh, no, 100%. I still, we have a city league team. It's like me and a bunch of guys I used to play with in high school. And man, that's the most fun I have playing basketball, right? I had so much fun playing basketball and we went to a state championship. And it was, I mean, it was fun being there and having a bunch of people root for you. But if you can get out of your head, and like, just play a sport, because you love the sport, like, I have one friend who's just like, yeah, it really fun, but it's more fun when people are watching you, and I'm like, dude, I'm just having fun playing, you know, like, I just want a winner, like, same thing with like, Jordan Kobe, and it leaks into freaking work, um, I just hate losing, you know, I hate losing, right, everybody says it. you hate losing more than you like winning, and I man, that's been how it is my whole life, you know, <laughs> so I, it's definitely affected me in work, and like, being a young real estate agent, you lose a lot more than an old real estate agent. And I can be on top of it 10 times more than the next guy who's 40 years old. And I can I can know everything and equally match him, if not exceed him, and, you know, communication and charisma. But, dude, seven times out of 10, I'm going to lose a listing because of my age and how I look because of, you know, that guy's 40 years old.
0: Yeah. But you got your first win. I believe it was it October twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, something right
1: around there is when I closed on my first deal, and I closed on my sixth tomorrow morning. How'd that first one feel? Oh man, it felt great, right? Um, that one felt good, but I was also with a mentor at the time, so she helped me out with a lot of my paperwork. Um, it wasn't till my third deal, you know, I did everything by myself. You know, all the paperwork. I wrote up the contract by myself. I listed it by myself, and that was the one I got the call and they're like, yeah, we're going to use you. Um, man, I I get off the phone. I'm holding myself like very, you know, very elite. I'm like, I'm looking forward to working with you. I'll send you over that paperwork in an hour. And I hang up, I make sure I hung up and man, I let out the biggest just scream in my car. I'm like, yeah, dude, it was nuts. It felt great. Um, because that's a big deal, right? The more, Like I have six down right now, the average for uh, realtors in a year, I think it's four and a half deals. Um, And I've been in it for 10 months. So like I can show somebody that number and they're still like, yeah, you're still 21. So man, I just need to do everything I can so that I can put like a piece of paper in front of a seller's face and they can't be like, well, you're 21. And I'll be like, look at this, you know, (laughs) (laughs) look at what I've done already. Gosh. Um, But you get, I mean, yeah, it felt crazy. My first deal felt good, but my first deal by myself felt crazy. I was like, man, I can do this. Um, and, and just like last week I had, I had a deal sadly fall apart, but I'm on and off the phone with my clients, my, another agent, we're putting an offer together. And like halfway through, like I hang up a phone call, I'm about to call somebody else again. And I'm just like, dude, I'm doing this at such an elite level right now. Like I'm on the, I'm killing it. I'm making sure all my bases are covered it's it's a different feeling right um performing at such a high level and such a you know and what's considered an old man's game um feels good
0: so you mentioned a deal fell apart and then people rejecting you just because your age how do you fight through that kind of roadblocks adversity that gets thrown at you for things you're out of your control and who do you go to to try to help get yourself back together, kind of pep yourself up?
1: Um, I don't think, I deal with it in a very focal way. That's the right word, I guess. Like I really focus on like any sort of way that could have been different. Right. Like I lost the deal. I got turned down for my age. I think it was about a month and a half ago now. And I I go into interview, I'm killing it with the seller um, she's loving me. I bring out, like, I priced their house correctly. It just sold yesterday, actually. Fun fact, not through me, but it sold for the price I priced it at. Yeah. Um, so that was, that felt pretty good. And so I'm just like, um, I got a call from them. They're like, Hey, we're going to go with someone else, uh, who sold around our house. And by the way, I live close to this house too. And I'm like, I know this area. I checked the house they were referencing and it's like, 10, 15 minutes away for a completely different price point. And I'm like, that's, you could have just told me it was because I was too young. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> you don't have but, to sugarcoat it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talk to some realtors who are in it and they're like, you can't let that affect you. You just got to move on. And no, you got to, you got to let that stuff affect you. If you, I mean, if you let that roll off your back, how is the next one going to be any different?
0: Yeah. It's like, you got to take the scrapes. You got to take the bumps because now Then you become stronger. You know how to avoid getting those bumps or knowing how to handle those situations yeah, so, instead of just I mean, going in blind.
1: Any adversity I like to take, you know, what, what could I have done different to keep it together? What am I doing next time? The deal falling apart a couple of days ago, that doesn't really affect me at all because um, I retain the clients. It's a, it's a buyer of mine. So I still am going to help them buy a different house and that just wasn't the house we ended up going with because I mean it fell apart obviously. Um, So that doesn't affect me too bad.
0: Yeah, now have you developed any kind of special relationship with your clients or have you, I I don't know, is repeat clients, is that a good, does that apply to your industry or?
1: Oh yeah, Um, a lot less because people hold on to houses on Mm -hmm. a seven year average, so like a repeat client, you just kind of got to stay in their head. but it's, yeah, definitely a lot less than shoe sales. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, when, I mean, once you help someone buy a house, you're usually not helping them. After that, you're working off referrals, right? So if I settle with a client, like the next kind of deal I'll do through them is hopefully through a referral, right? They'll tell their friend about me and or their family member and stuff like that, which is kind of happening with the clients I'm working with right now, is their son in a year is looking to buy a house. And so hopefully, you know, my name
0: yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. Now I, you know, I see John L Scott. That's the branch you work at. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see that there's they have a location down the street from my work in Lake Oswego. I see them in Beaverton. Uh, i When I looked, did a little research into them, I did not know they had 110 locations, like over that much. Yeah. So much. what did it, what did it mean to you to go into that giant industry? and work with John L. Scott and someone that has that main location and also be very Pacific Northwest central.
1: Yeah. Um, It's great, man, because there's two things you got to do when you're young or a new real estate agent. And that's, you know, know everything that you can do and put a reputable name behind you. Um, John L. Scott offers a lot of coaching opportunities. And I mean, if you're in the real estate, you know, spectrum, you know the name, and so it kind of just helps to have that magnitude of pure numbers behind me that I can, you know, if someone's not comfortable with me being so young, hey, I have this huge brokerage behind me that's going to back every piece of paperwork I put in front of you. They market for me to the RMLS, to Facebook, to Google Ads. They do that for me. Everything gets through them, right? Nothing's going to slip. Whereas like if I go to a mom and pop brokerage, right, I'm in charge of all that. So it's a huge, it's a huge deal getting to a brokerage that has, you know, weight to its name.
0: Yeah. And you are currently located in Happy Valley, Oregon. And, you know, you grew up in Eagle Creek and you went to school in Damascus, all still relatively close to Happy Valley. Yeah. Do you, the yeah. Like is was that something you were planning? Were you okay with that? Do you wish you were kind of located somewhere a little further from home or are you just, and what is the benefits of being a realtor with John L. Scott in happy Valley near where your childhood was developed? Like, do you, are you like, Oh, I know this neighborhood, like the back of my hand. Or are you still trying to figure the whole neighborhood out?
1: Man? Yeah. Geographically, I still got so much to figure out, but I'm in such a good spot of where I grew up around it. Right. I've been, in and out of most of these nooks but i can sell i can sell anywhere in oregon legally um but it's it's just so nice being in a happy valley my office is five minutes away from my house um it's i mean it's a clean city there's everything around it i can meet clients like if someone gives me a call the odds of them being 15 to 30 minutes away from me are pretty high Mm -hmm. um it's just nice being in that central of a location of people that know me too right like my high school friends like people i used to play uh, basketball with that Clackamas, stuff like that. Just people tied around me. If they see my name on a sign, they're like, that's that like Seth Murphy, Seth Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't put my picture on stuff because
0: I'm young. You have to earn that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just don't want someone getting my card off a referral and being like, Oh, that's a young guy. No, we don't want to work
0: with him. <laughs> so how much of that marketing kind of maneuverability have you started to develop because of your age when it comes to, you know, having your business cards and signs
1: yeah, man, I don't put my picture on anything. Um, it's just like an incessant worry that someone is just going to be deterred and I need to get rid of it. But also like, it's a very real thing, you know, whether you like it or not, real estate is a very, you know, judgy industry, right? You know, what car you drive, what are you dressed in? What do you look like? Um, How old are you? Stuff like that. That's all going to affect like a good amount of people. But there's also like, there's a good amount of people that don't care about any of that. They're just like, can you sell my house for the price I want it? But that's also trust is very based on the eyes. And so you got to make people feel comfortable with how you look, how you are, how you speak.
0: Yeah. And how do you deal with those kind of pressures when you know you want to live up to someone else's expectations and how do you kind of work through that and just working with what you got instead of trying to always reach for more where you can't really reach more
1: oh man, fake it till you make it right <laughs> dude, I talk such big game um I got such a good i mean I got such a good ecosphere around me anyways. My dad built a business up from ground zero, my mom is you know building her business where you know my dad I've been a little carbon copy of my dad since, since I can remember. And I've been, you know, every time he's talking to people, I'm always like looking at him, writing mental notes. And how do I put this to what I'm doing? And whether that was in high school, like when I was, you know, playing basketball and how I would talk to my teammates and now in real estate, I'm like, he said that I need to say this to my clients and do this. And, you know, um, but dude, when I, when I go to talk to clients that I don't know at all, like it's my first time talking to them, they have no clue that I have no clue, you know, they think I know because I'm pretty confident in what I know. And I think I know a lot when it comes down to real estate, but they think I know everything. And so I have to keep that little game playing in their head. And I mean, if they, if they, if they're like, can you sell my, you know, $30 million house and the most expensive house I've sold is $435,000. I can be like, I can sell that tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> and, then, and then I'll have 24 hours to figure out how to sell a $30 million. <laughs> um, but that's I mean, like, cause you're going to lose business. If you, if you can't hold yourself to that, if you look nervous, people can tell when you're nervous. Right. Yeah. I was so nervous working at Nike when certain people would come up to me. I was like, I don't know anything about this shoe. <laughs> and People can tell and they're like, is there anybody that can talk about it? And So yeah, and I'm just like, dude, you need anything from me if I don't know how to do it. Oh, I can
0: learn fast you know. yeah and I think that's the advice I gave I think maybe I gave that to you or just gave to any other person that I was helping you know learn the system of Nike it's just like if you don't know read A yeah. B talk to people and see if still something's fall through the cracks where you still don't know just just fake it just be like yeah this shoe is good because it can help bounce you up because of the thingies and the thingies and the thingies yeah. <laughs> it's just the thingies <laughs> So how, we're, we're in a pandemic. We talked. We started the conversation talking about the pandemic. How have you been able to conduct business with this pandemic as far as like house showings and sales and contacts with people?
1: Uh, house showings remained pretty normal. They took a pretty big dip, but we're about back to normal now. Um, open houses stopped completely, which is like a huge source of networking for new agents. Um, that sucked for me. I loved doing open houses and meeting people there. Uh, that's how I got my uh, one of my deals that I just got finished. Is I didn't know this person at all. I met him at an open house. I was like, dude, and it like open houses shut down right when I started getting comfortable talking to people. And I was man, mad. And I can't wait for them to be back because I just enjoy them so much. Just people coming through, and I love, and I love real estate, and I love talking about it, and I love meeting new people, and. Yeah, that's the only way COVID affected me so far is taking away open houses. I'm still able to show houses and people still have Zillow on their phone and I mean I've still closed something. Yeah. So uh, it hasn't affected me in any other way besides, you know, meeting people face to face, which I is the best way for real estate. Like everybody's gonna get an ad for a realtor, everybody's gonna get cold calls from realtors. And, but if I can get face to face with people, I'm saying seven out of ten times I can convince them that I'm the one.
0: There you go, baby. And now when it comes to, you know, we're on Zoom right now, Skype, FaceTime, all the other uh, webcam interface programs, softwares. Have you been using that to talk and stay connected with those maybe clients you've already had established something with? Yeah.
1: Yeah, So every now and then, um, yeah, I'll go to like certain property types and I'll take either a video if they can't FaceTime at the moment or I'll FaceTime them and walk them through a house if they're not Uh, comfortable meeting me there um but i I mean i just you know show up put a mask on and walk through right it's never i've never been like "Mm, i don't want to be here um Mm -hmm. but yeah i really utilize just the phone right just facetime like you said zoom i i do zoom calls we do all of our brokerage meetings over a zoom call every week um stuff like that yeah i mean it's been nice but it's never i don't think my business depends on it for COVID. yeah
0: Yeah. and I, I get the sense from you that you're like a tiger in a cage right now and you want to just uh, not really, cause like, it might be a little bit of a bad imagery, but you know, you want to just get back out there and you're eager and you're ready to start meeting people start of seeing them face to face.
1: Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's very encouraging. It's yeah. very inspiring because you know, it's, you know, a lot of people are a little afraid of people are going to be afraid coming out of this whole thing of human contact. But, you know, in your line of business, you have to just do what's best for the person. You know, do what's Oh, best yeah.
1: The I mean, that's where empathy comes back in, right? You just got to make everybody feel as safe as they want to feel, right? Oh, you don't want to shake my hand? Don't shake my hand. You don't want to be within six feet of me while we're walking through this, you know, very tiny house together. Walk through by yourself. I'll be outside, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You got to make adjustments on the fly and everybody's, everybody is so different. so. There's yep. just nothing. There's there's not going to be a new normal for the next year or so.
0: No, no, no. I dude, I miss I miss high fives so much. <laughs> I,
1: just, I just miss being out. Right. Yeah. Like that's like I just want to be able to talk to people without them being like, "Yeah, you're getting a little close." <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm just gonna leave now.
0: Uh, so. No, my last question, you've held some titles in your day, you know, you were a student at school, like grade school, you're a student at PSU for a little bit, you're an athlete, you're a sales manager and you know, you're a son and now you're a realtor. What does that kind of title mean to you versus, you know, maybe not just son, but what does that title mean to you when compared to student an athlete at Nike or a student at college?
1: Yeah, um, I think it just means, in the sense of a very broad meaning, I just think it means more responsibility, right? I get to affect someone's life at a greater level than I could just getting them a nice pair of Pegasus, you know? <laughs> um, it's it's really awesome being able to, like, close on a house with a family and just seeing how excited they are. You know, they don't even think twice about the real estate agent that helped them out, right? They close on the house, they move in. And they probably won't think about me ever again but like for me i'm like that was sweet i did that for them so i think it means a lot because you get to affect people in such a positive way and buying a house can either be a really stressful process or it can be like it can be pretty fun in my opinion right you're like oh my gosh i found this house let's send it to Seth and let's go see it and i'm like i'm so eager to look at any houses you can send me a house at seven at night and they're like, can you see this tomorrow? I'm like, let's go see it now. You know, Um, I love my job, man. And it's, it's rare that you'll find, you know, a young kid as passionate about real estate as me, in my opinion, right? Like I haven't found many, but like, I just like, the reason I got into it is I love real estate and I love helping people out. And this is the perfect job. If you like that.
0: I think that's the best way to wrap that up, man. So yeah, it's I, I think just from knowing you, you know, from your young Nike days and hearing about your story now, it's like this is a, biz, a line of work, or a career that I think you found your path that, you know, school didn't work out for you, but you found something else that can supplement that kind of strive that some people have towards knowledge by helping people achieve their dream and, you know, achieve what they're looking for and hopefully get people going on the right path towards a lifetime filled with moments and memories because you help them out. And that's,
1: and that's what it's about, right? The Disney feeling inside.
0: Oh, God. God bless you, Disney. God bless you, Disney. <laughs> Seth, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. And, uh, you know, when this is all over, since you are officially a 21-er, um, we'll, we'll go head up the bar and we'll, you know, go, go talk to those people that we, we both love to do. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Keone. I
1: look forward to that.
0: Do you have any follow-up questions for the guest? Put them in the comments below, and I'll work to get them answered for you. For more content from KC Media, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And for more interviews from Keone Chats, please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Until then, guys, see you then.